1: You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit PleasurePodcasts.com.
2: Welcome back to Private Parts Unknown,
3: a podcast that explores love and sexuality around the world. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Sophia Alexandra. And we're, we're cheating on each other today. No, Courtney.
2: No, we're cheating together.
3: <laughs> Courtney, that's,
1: <laughs>
2: that's not how better. We do.
1: Stop. That's how
3: we do. We would totally cheat together. No. That's true. <laughs> uh probably be like a murder suicide type pact where like if you betray me.
2: <laughs> you guys, we are talking Ashley Madison today. And we are talking about why women cheat. And you know what's interesting is I think I think both of us. Went into this with like a hesitation. Does that sound right?
3: Yeah. I mean, probably more than one for obvious reasons. I think you guys maybe are like us in that you judged the people that you thought were in Ashley Madison and you thought, I don't know how anybody could live with themselves if they're on there or whatever, or a less highfalutin. Uh, version of that's that that's a
2: pretty harsh that's a pretty harsh statement but yeah I think you know it probably at least made you feel a little bit uneasy which is kind of where we were at when we went into this set of interviews you know we're not here trying to evangelize and spread the good news about cheating or like condone it in any way the idea of it makes me uncomfortable in my own relationship but big but like we do on this show, we explored a world that we were initially hesitant about. And we actually wound up finding all these things that were very relatable and understandable and made us really sympathetic and understand the situation, right?
3: Yeah, I think in the way that we had prejudged happy ending massages before we got Mm -hmm. them, it was listening to this woman's story about why and how she uses Ashley Madison that kind of opened up our eyes to, like, the prejudice that we were holding. Again, not to say, hey, guys, everyone go out and cheat. But I think if you listen to Nikki's story, you will also find yourself being surprisingly sympathetic and curious and maybe a little bit aroused by her journey.
2: For sure. And I think, you know, it depends on the circumstances of your relationship, which we're going to get into. And then after we talk to Nikki – We are going to talk to two people from Ashley Madison just to do a full 360 kind of exploration on the company. We're going to talk to their chief strategy officer, and we're going to talk to Isabella, one of the badass women on site that co-authored their study, which is fascinating. So I can't wait to dig in.
3: This one's delicious. Here we go.
2: I am super excited to have this conversation. (laughs) I actually signed up for Ashley Madison when I was single, just like, I need some stable dick. (laughs) And I wound up messaging with a dude and not going through with it, but I am intrigued and I cannot wait to hear about your experience. So Give a little bit, I know I know you're staying anonymous, you know, you're going by Nikki, but tell us like a little bit about you, where you live, and your relationship situation going into this.
4: Sure. Well, I am an executive um, and married for 12 years in the D.C. area and just decided to do more than dip my toe into the uh, world of having an affair
2: had you previously dipped your toe in and what was that experience no 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 no, no. never
3: have you always been a monogamous uh in monogamous relationships yes and was your marriage your first really long relationship or were you like a
4: chronic long-term relationship person Chronic, long-term relationship person. Mm. Met my husband when I was 22. Mm. Got married when I was 27. Now I'm knocking on 40. And I'm not the same girl I was back then.
2: So you have maybe had like a sexual awakening. When did you feel the itch? When did you start to be like, I this I want to explore this. Or like something besides my husband is turning me
4: on. Hmm probably about three years ago, at which point I first talked to my husband and I said, you know, I'm feeling like this, I'd like to do that. And honestly, he really wasn't into it. And to kind of go out on a limb and say, I want to do this different, or I kind of like you to do this and to not have that happen. It's like super rejection. Mm hmm.
3: It's also so scary because you knew you were risking a lot by just being honest with him that many years in.
4: Yeah, it's not something you ever want to bring up again. So then you are caught up in something that doesn't really serve your needs, but you don't really want to change your situation. So do you go without or do you go with and take advantage of the short life that you have?
2: I love that we're, because you're anonymous, we're staring at your titties right now and it just seems perfect.
4: <laughs> Honestly,
3: I was like, can we make all of the people we interviewed just do this? I,
4: I, faces are highly
3: overrated, but this, this great
4: rack. <laughs> I mean, thank you. And, you know, I didn't, I don't have any makeup on. I just got a Brazilian. I'm just not in the mood for my face really on camera.
2: No, I'm feeling it.
4: I'm
3: jealous you could get a Brazilian. No one can touch us for a while.
4: Oh, gosh. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty great. Painful, but great. Yeah, good
2: to be back. Good to be (laughs) back in the saddle. (laughs) Literally. Okay, so I just... Yes or no, do you love your husband? Yes. In the way that you thought you would love your husband, you know, in your like girlhood fantasies?
4: Like when I was 22. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love my husband. He's my best friend. He's my family. Um, But I don't feel that like I want to rip your clothes off and just fuck all night type of Mm -hmm. feeling. Um, Mainly because of that rejection right like i asked him point blank i want you to pull my hair and i want you to spank me really hard and i want your hands around my throat he looked at me like i had two heads <laughs> um, i'm like or not okay You're
3: speaking mine and courtney's language honestly yeah i'm like yeah and he's like oh, no how
2: about i keep politely fucking you missionary style <laughs> Till
3: the end of time. He's like, he's like in sickness and health and monotony. The one thing I will not do is throw any variation into our sex routine.
4: Honestly, it's like stunning my sexual potential because I give amazing head, but he can really only like take so much of it. I'm like, but wait, I've got more. No, no, let's just get down to it. I'm like, okay.
2: So completely unmatched sex drives. Yes. And then, okay, so how did you find out about the site? What were your initial experiences?
4: Listen, do not make fun of me. But Never. This is a safe space.
3: <laughs> With titties I- like that, you're safe from any type of ridicule.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, girl. Um, I actually Googled how to have a secret affair. i like it
3: you precious angel (laughs) (laughs) you're like if laura
4: ingalls wanted to have an affair that is the cutest thing i've ever heard yeah like laura ingalls like was unassuming and didn't know shit and then became like a really badass bitch who just and unleashed her inner slut then yes Hell yeah.
3: Yes. And
2: you're doing it executive style. You're like, I need a game right. plan. <laughs>
4: I wanna go A to Z. Let's do this affair now. Right. So let me recoup some of my street cred. Um I didn't know anything, right? I never did this before. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna use a fake name. By the way, like this is my profile photo. Um, which successful probably super successful (laughs) um unfortunately attracts a massive quantity of dick pics which I'm not interested in but I'll get to that so I didn't really know what I was doing but I didn't want to fuck it up I wanted it to be worth it and I wanted it to be really good because I am not here to waste my time so I would say over the course of the first two three months I talked to more than 100 men a hundred on-the-surface on attractive men. But I had five criteria. Chemistry, attraction, communication, follow-up, and realness. Because, come on, there are so many creepy, creepy, creepy guys out there who think they're like Captain America and they're not. So I, I had the five criteria. I down-selected them pretty quickly for the most part, down to the top ten. And this is met-
3: where the executive comes out. I know. She's like, I know the hiring process. You're not going to pull one over on me. We are here for your (laughs)
2: TED Talk. I feel like even single people should take this criteria advice. This is good advice. Amazing.
3: I love realness as a factor.
4: Of course. Like, first of all, I never, ever met anyone without a video first. Video chat, which I have a fake number through Google Voice, which I then leveraged on WhatsApp. So my WhatsApp and my Google voice cannot be traced back to me, but I can video chat with you one-on-one to make sure that face that you showed me on that hot body is actually you. So anyway, I met all 10 of these men in person, one-on-one, some for coffee, some for cocktails, some in the park, and they were all super hot, super dateable, but Mm. still like the inner Laurel Ingalls was like, I can't fuck them all. I only made out with three of them. Which okay. I think is conservative. That's like 30. It is fifth. really conservative. And I only fucked one to begin with. Okay. Um, but he was he like popped that affair cherry hard. He was so good to me. He was super fucking hot, but also and, and like really alpha, but not a dick. And extremely generous and kind. Just made me feel. Like, I was the hottest thing that had ever graced the planet. And believe me, like, I am a real girl with, like, all the, like, I'm not a snack. I'm, like, the whole meal, right? And he was so good to me. And he made me feel like, man, I am fucking great at having an affair. I'm going to keep doing it. So um, we're (laughs) still friends, right? I still see him. I'm going to see him this week, which is why I just got a Brazilian. But yeah, it it just like really amped me up. And I just felt so powerful, not in like uh, uh, it went to my head kind of way, but it made me more confident in a very, very cool way. My question
3: is this, do you have like a line where you're like, oh, okay, now this like infatuation or whatever I could see it going somewhere else. Like I need to cap it. Or you're like, I'm up for all of this. I'm totally chill with whatever happens. Or are you a little bit worried that it could on some way, like impinge on your relationship with your husband?
4: Oh, that's such a good question. So with this particular guy, we'll call him D. No, our vibe is so cool. Like I'm not in love with him. He's not in love with me, but we know what each other needs and we're really good at it. There have been others uh there's a guy we'll call him b and we had a really intense connection and in probably six weeks that we were kind of seeing each other he wanted to leave his wife and his kids and i'm like no cannot and so as much as i was super into him on like a mental level which is what really drew me to him I had to cut all communication and I, I honestly, to this day, this was probably like six months ago. Like I, I miss him. Like, I wish I could still talk to him, but I know that I can't. So I'm staying really clear with my goals. Like I'm not trying to change my life. And, and when I think about my husband, the reason I don't feel guilty is because I do love him and I am good to him and I don't want to hurt him. This isn't about him. This is about me.
2: Mm -hmm. But was there a moment in that where you got caught up in the fantasy of it, too? And you were like, fuck, I could leave my husband or like this guy could be my new husband.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Of course, it crosses your mind. You start to picture your life in this different town or this different way and uh, what it would be like. And then you come down to the the yes or no moment. Like, am I willing to change my life and to go and jump off this cliff? And the answer is always no. No. Or it has been today. I mean, you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if you switch places with your husband, how would you feel if, say, you were someone for whom this wasn't a priority and, like, you love your partner and then you find out that, like, they've been having an affair? Do you think that your reaction to it would be different from him just because of like what your guys like interests and like kind of sexual, I guess,
4: uh, identities are. Yeah. No, I would be just as pissed. And a matter of fact, we were in the grocery store and this woman literally, I fucked him right in front of me. And I wanted to like ram this fucking watermelon down her throat because how (laughs) dare she look at my husband like that. And I realized, (laughs) How hypocritical that sounds. (laughs) But I'm only human and this is 100% have my cake and eat it too. So I'm not expecting like, oh, I'll be cool and low key if the shoe was on the other foot. Fuck no. Are you kidding? Like all the knife emojis and the coffin.
2: (laughs) Okay. So let's follow that a little further. (laughs) What if this hypothetical was real and you discovered that your husband was cheating on you? would you want to stay in the relationship or would you be tempted to leave? Would that change how you feel about your dynamic? Because you're saying it doesn't affect how you feel about your husband. It's not about him. Would you feel that way if it
4: was about you? I thought about this. And at the end of the day, I would then have a real choice because that would be – a just cause on the other side of it, right? To make a life changing decision, Mm -hmm. no matter what, he will always be my family. And we've been together for almost 18 years. We're, we're family, no matter what good, bad, or indifferent, but we also have a child. And so for that reason, your selfishness gets ended at some point because, you know, do you want to fuck up this kid's life and be selfish and take away everything that they love and know and appreciate or, you know, are you going to like come back down to earth and make it work?
2: That makes sense. And you don't know what the answer would be.
4: I don't. I, I'm, I, feel, I don't, I really don't. It wouldn't come down to he and I in a marriage. It would then become a, a mother issue It would become mm. like, I don't want to have to split time away from my child because of these other choices. So, and it wouldn't be fair to do that to him either and be like, fuck you. I'm taking my kid and I'm leaving. You know, that wouldn't be the right thing for us either. So that's, that's the sticking point, and that's the thing I cannot answer. And I've really thought about it because uh, I don't know. I think my husband is the love of my life, but I can meet someone else, you know, three years from now that could be also the love of my life. And, you know, what do you do in that moment? So I think that that's a, a big struggle that many, many, many couples. I know the people that I talk to on a daily basis they don't want to change the situation, but they're not getting sex at home, or they don't love their spouse anymore, but they have children and they don't want to change anything. It's such a common thread that really ties people in this lifestyle together more than you would think. The kid thing? Absolutely.
2: Did it change your sex life initially when you had kids?
4: Um. What changed was me and my – I swear, like, the hormones, like, did something to me. I just became needier and, like, sexier and, and sluttier, and he didn't. And um, in all the good ways. Like, I own that inner slut. I love her. She gives me so much joy. So I don't want it to sound like I'm talking down about sluttiness because that's not it at all. No, we're totally. very
3: pro-slut, pro-ho. Yeah, pro-ho I love it. On the podcast. Yeah.
4: <laughs> that's amazing.
3: I mean, I wonder about – Like the fragility of pursuing this lifestyle in terms of like, yes, you don't want to get discovered, but also like to me, in my mind, it would be so much easier to have an affair in the olden days where people can't just like look you up and like find you on every platform. How do you stay like safe? Like how do you trust someone enough to get involved with them to know that there isn't going to be a moment where they can like fuck your whole life up?
4: Yeah, absolutely. No one ever knows my real identity unless I know them. Verifiable, like on social, there's like only two people. Two people who actually know who I really am and I know who they really are. So it's like, if you're going to tank my life, I'm going to tank yours. But also we have such a good relationship that it wouldn't get to that point. And that's a massive part of the screening process, right? If I don't feel like I can trust you, then we cannot fuck. Casual sex is not the goal. I could take care of myself. I can fuck myself. That's not what this is about. Like this is about connection and intensity and emotion and really living out a part of your life that you're not able to at home.
2: And so that guy D that busted your affair cherry, Mm -hmm. you guys are on the same wavelength about all that stuff?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like we turn our phones into airplane mode. We never play in our own backyard. We use different hotels, never the same And uh, we have each other's back. Like if we saw each other in public, we would lie for each other in heartbeat.
3: So that's real trust there.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Yeah, I guess it just seems so like it's scary to trust people in a relationship in general. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, you did that. You got married. You have someone that you trust enough to like raise a kid and have like a life with. And then you're allowing someone into the like very precious, you know, (laughs) ecosystem of your life. And you're like Mm -hmm. trusting that they will only bring you the joy and passion and love that you're missing and nothing else. And I think there's something like beautifully vulnerable about it. Does it make you feel a different kind of like excited and raw and almost like being young again? It does. Not to say that, by the way, our 30s is old. I'm in my 30s too. I'm saying (laughs) like the first time you're having those like hardcore feelings.
4: Yeah. When I have those feelings, it's like I wanted them to know who I was. I wanted that like bond to know like, you know, this slutty side of me, but you also know the real side of me, the real professional, the real a social person, like, y- you know, and the thing about me is, and this is not to sound like I'm some big deal, because I'm not, but there is a lot of information about me, as an executive, and what I do professionally, readily available on at least the first 10 pages of Google. And so if anyone would find out who I am, you could find out everything. So it's like, if you're going to know one thing, you're going to know it all. And that's the scariest thing. So for a long time, I was really private. And then for these two people, you know, I opened up to them and it made it so much better. And I I really prefer it that way, but I know that it can't happen with everyone.
2: Is there a part of you that wishes like you and your husband could just be in an open relationship? I know that rejection probably like stifled the whole thing. But do you find yourself wishing you could just date other people and be open about it? Or is part of it the eroticism
4: of like the forbidden Yeah, it's like, I don't really care for him to know this side of me, especially having been that, you know, having had that initial rejection. Also, though, like I said, I am, I own my selfishness. I'm not willing to allow him to do this to me Mm. because I'm way too sensitive about it. You know, and although I know he would too, like, I, I work so hard to make sure that he never, ever knows. And in my mind, I believe he won't
2: kind of love that
3: (laughs) (laughs) this is yeah this has been a really fascinating look behind the curtain because I think you always like get an idea in your head about what you think someone who might use the site is but I don't Mm -hmm. think people even think that there's real women on there yeah um who specifically do want this lifestyle
4: there are a lot of women looking to be paid there are a lot of men pretending to be women to try to like elicit some kind of lesbian attraction to get women to talk to them, which is so pathetic. But yeah, so for an attractive, real woman who will actually meet and have an affair, it is like a kid in a candy store. We're talking super hot doctors, lawyers, politicians, teachers, entrepreneurs, you name it. These are not just... Some guy in a bar somewhere. These are like high caliber, hot men that you would want to fuck. So you just had your pick of the litter and are still
2: just having a blast with your spreadsheet and your (laughs) (laughs) hundred guys
4: to pick from? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, with COVID, that obviously sucked, but it also bonded us, right? Like so lots of like FaceTime or WhatsApp sex um, sending nasty photos and dirty texting and, you know, phone sex, basically anything you could get away with. But, you know, in the past month, I've been able to, to get back to it. And so, you know, I have met someone new, but I'm still, you know, with D as well. And he encourages that. And we're also to the point now where we're we're able to share, you know, I'd like to see you with another guy or I'd like to invite another guy or another girl. And so now we're like really checking off that sexual bucket list, which is so Oh, hell yeah. Get it. Get
2: it. Yes. Okay. Well, first I want you to rate your sex life before Ashley Madison and then I rate your – Sex life today.
4: Before Ashley Madison, my sex life was a four. And that's me like at my top potential, really doing all the work. Uh after Ashley Madison, on a scale of one to ten, I'd say it's a twenty. Damn, that's, girl. It's a that's strong endorsement. endorsement. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I like I said, I'm just a real girl. There's nothing like unique. I'm not a fucking unicorn, but I know that I could pretty much fuck anybody I want. And that's such a cool feeling. Even in the boardroom, like I know what they're thinking when they're looking at me and I know that I could own them if I wanted to. That's
2: so fire. It is fire. I recently started an OnlyFans and I was like, oh yeah, literally every man just wants to fuck (laughs) all the women in their lives. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Pretty much, yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, I wish you the best on your sexual awakening, and I hope you get all those things on your sexual bucket list checked off. And if you ever want to come back and chat with us again, we'd be happy to get an update.
4: Totally. (laughs) I love that. Thank you both so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank
3: you for allowing us into this part of your life. It was so honest and vulnerable and amazing, and we really appreciate it.
4: Absolutely. Thank you both so much.
1: Well, Paul, this
2: is exciting because yesterday we talked to a client who is going by Nikki. And so we got the whole client perspective first. So I'm kind of excited to dig into it with you after that. Excellent. So, do you want to kick it off?
3: Yeah. First of all, what drew you to the business of married dating, I guess?
5: Yeah, that's a, a great question, So. Prior to joining Ashley Madison, I had actually worked as a communications consultant and I worked for a lot of big brands you would all recognize, you know, the Fortune 500, if not bigger. And what I found interesting about Ashley compared to that sort of work was Ashley Madison is a lot more upfront and honest about what we are, what we're doing and what our product offers, you know. There's a lot of sparkly beverages, and I won't name names because they probably get in trouble for doing so. And I'll tell you that they're part of a, you know, balanced diet. They completely can fill a, a role within your diet, uh, you know, equal to water. And that's a lot of horse shit, quite frankly.
2: Are you talking about the nutritious coke products? No, I'm just kidding.
5: <laughs> and Astro is up front and out there. I mean, our tagline is life is short, have an affair. I mean, there's no hidden agenda with regards to what we're trying to do and and what our product offers and so that was really appealing and then on top of it you know we're based in Canada so um, the idea that I could do work around the world and travel and I've been to a lot of amazing places really really sort of piqued my interest at the time and you know obviously we've gone through a whole lot because I joined in 2013 but it's been an amazing ride since.
3: Tell us a little bit about well, you guys had your massive data breach that kind of um, was shitty for you guys. <laughs> yeah, what year was
2: that?
5: So uh, you heard about that? Shocking. Uh,
2: um, we yeah, actually so, knew some people that were So involved.
5: we refer to it as the events of 2015. So gives <laughs> you the time frame. Um, yeah, it was. You know, it, it was a moment where we let our members down, quite frankly. Besides all the issues that we as a, as a company and me individually had to deal with, you know, ultimately we let our members down. And I think that was the hardest part about it because what we offer beyond anything else is discretion. And that's what's made our business so successful. And at that moment in time, we didn't deliver on that expectation and caused a lot of problems. But we've learned from it and we've definitely grown from it.
2: So yeah, I wanna know what you guys have done to make sure that that doesn't happen again. I mean, it is a little bit like, because I signed up and I made a fake email and had a not my real name on there, but you do want your members to feel safe and secure when they're doing, having affairs on your watch.
5: Yeah, absolutely. So during the the time in 2015, when we're going through the worst of the worst, what was interesting and what really informed a lot of our thinking post 2015 was we had more than 100,000 people joining a day during the month of August of 2015. So prior to that, we were about 30,000 people a day. So the mass interest and the coverage around those events drew a lot of attention. Now, sure, a ton of those people were signing up to say, is this real? Is it what's out there? Maybe it was journalists. But our revenue was growing too. So it told us that our offering was still legitimate, but we had to fix some stuff. So it started with, how do we reimagine security, not just as a checkbox that says, Oh, we bought this technology or we implemented this new feature. Great. We're done for today. Um, So it started with bringing on a whole new security team that reimagined security, not just as a piece of technology, but as technology, as a process, and as a people oriented aspect. Every single person involved with the company at Ashley is involved in security, not just our security team. And I think that's a massive shift for an organization to go through.
2: What do you mean by that? Yeah.
5: So yeah, that's a great question. So before, in a lot of companies, not just us, but before us, you know, most companies weren't as concerned about you know enterprise-level security risks, risks in the way they are probably today because it hasn't just been us. And there was a security team, and they would look at security, and they'd look at, okay, we're going to implement two-factor verification. We're going to upgrade our password technology this way. And they handled it. And no one else really worried about it. But now we look at it because we have to understand that security – you know, deals with phishing attacks. So if I get an email from someone saying, hey, Paul, it's your boss. I need you to send me $10,000. You know, I'm in a meeting and I got to get this deal done. That's happening around the world. So everybody needs to be involved with it and understand what are we doing on a day-to-day basis. So we, we have regular updates from our security team that talks about what are we implementing from a technology perspective? Why are we doing it? Why do we want our members to either know about it or be involved with it so that they can, you know, have an eye to what they see on the site to be a first warning system. Our team is amazing, they do a really good job. And every time we build a new feature, every time we're building a new function, they're involved from the start to ensure that security is baked in, not an add-on to the back end where we say, oh, we'll just lock the front door, because it's not just that. So it's a comprehensive approach. And by doing this, you know, we have a lot of confidence. And so when I came back to the companies, I left for a year, I came back in 2017. We were signing up eh, ten or twelve thousand a day. Now we're over twenty thousand a day. So clearly, the work we're doing is resonating with our community, and I think it's paying dividends for them and for us, obviously.
2: So you're the chief strategy officer. That's yeah. your title, right? Correct. So security is obviously like a huge pillar of your brand now. Mm-hmm. What are the other pillars or aspects that you focus on to? make sure you're reaching the right clientele and serving them.
5: So it's a combination of you know, how are people looking at technology as a bridge to connect with people who are similar to them? You know, what's interesting about our members on Ashley Madison is that they are probably the most honest dating profiles you'll see compared to a Tinder or, or a, a match or any harmony, because on those sites you're trying to present your best self or a false sense of yourself in either to find a life partner or a tonight partner Whereas on Ashley, we've lived a life, we've gone through all these different aspects and we've realized what's missing. And so most people are looking for those, you know, that small confined experience and they are very clear about it. They don't worry about trying to be them best selves because that's not what they need in this site. Uh, so when we're looking at, you know, how do we help that? We're looking at how do we change our chat functionality? How do we change our search functionality to find, help better pair people up? Discretion is a key aspect. So you know, just because we have a lot of security, you still want to have discretion within the site so that when you're talking to someone, you can reveal a little bit about yourself piece by piece by piece. So we're constantly looking at how are people interacting with, with one another and how can we better that interaction to fulfill what they're looking for, whether it's physical or cyber only.
3: Can you walk us through a little bit of the difference between what an Ashley Madison profile looks like and what, say, a Tinder profile looks like?
5: Yeah, sure. So I think Tinder profiles, all the guys have their shirts off and they are got a big fish that they caught because they're showing their awesome masculinity off. Um, no. <laughs> I had bikini pictures.
2: <laughs> pictures with my dog.
5: <laughs> yes, dogs are always a winner. Totally. So. Yeah, if you go on a Tinder, you know, you're going to have your your scroll of photos, you know, your six patch, your bikinis, cleavage. You know, you're presenting your best feature as you see it to attract people that you think are going to like those aspects of you. So... The difference with our site is, yes, we have profile pictures. Most people on our site have an obscured profile picture. They're not putting up their face for pretty much obvious reasons. We have a secondary photo system, basically a private key system that you can put your more personal photos in. That could be your face or something more revealing or intimate that you share with somebody when you are at the point where you're comfortable acknowledging a little bit more about yourself. Maybe you want to be a little bit more risque. And what's interesting about the system is it allows you to pull that key back. So, you know, Courtney and I might be chatting away and I share my photos with her and, you know, it either doesn't proceed to the next stage and I can pull that key back so she no longer has access to my private locker and I can change the photos as I see fit. And that's a really interesting sort of dynamic that, again, provides discretion and control for our members. And it's a feature I think they really like a lot.
3: Oh, I love that. Uh, Is there a way to prevent people from, say, you gave Courtney a key and she wanted to just download those photos before you took it back. Is there anything to prevent that?
5: No, I mean, the reality is, I mean, you could just literally take your, your smartphone and take a picture of the screen. So you can do a lot of technology around that. But we advise all our members about, you know, the risk. And they're usually pretty upfront in, in understanding about what's at stake. So they're not putting up their face photos that often. And, you know, they'll might Merge to a more private channel that's disassociated from Ashley to share some other more risque or personal photos, whether it's a a instant messaging or something like that, that's done under a pseudonym. But no, obviously we can't prevent that wholly. We wish we could, but we just know we can't.
3: Yeah. Continue about what else the profiles are like.
5: So obviously we allow people to sort of describe themselves and what they're looking for in detail in their profile bio. And then we have some check marks about, you know, particular interest or activities that are often desired within our membership, whether it's a threesome, whether it's BDSM role play, those kind of things you can tick off. So people know, these are the spaces I want to play within. And if it doesn't fit your domain or your interest, you know, you don't have to worry about it. So we have a lot of upfront information about, you know, where the individual is from a city perspective, obviously not down to a, a, an intersection. And it gives people a lot of ability to sort of determine which member is going to be interested to me, and which member is not going to be interested to me. And then, you know, it the, the chat function works like most dating prospects. The difference is that for a woman to communicate with a man, it's free. But if a man wants to send a message to a woman or read a message from a woman, it costs him Eight credits, which is going to be between three and five dollars, depending on which package you buy. But it's free to talk to her after that first initial message is sent. So that is a slightly different dynamic than a lot of different sites. So it enforces an idea that, you know, the, the spray and pray approach that a lot of people do on Twitter, uh, the swipe life, doesn't mm-hmm. really come to play in our site. So guys have to be a little more thoughtful in their messaging. But if they do attract uh, interest from a woman, then they can continue that conversation free of charge. Uh, as they see fit.
2: Yeah, you really got to build the innate male horniness into your business model to serve you best.
5: (laughs) That's the interesting thing. And that's, that is the expectation. And quite frankly, knowing our history, I wasn't around when we launched in 2002. That was a lot of the driving factors. But here's the interesting thing. We did some work with Alicia Walker from uh, Dr. Alicia Walker from the University of Missouri. And she did a study on why women cheat. And it turns out it's purely sexually driven. 80% of the women on Ashley Madison were there because they were either in an orgasmless or a sexless marriage. They, you know, weren't looking for emotional validation. They didn't need someone to tell them they're pretty. They wanted good sex. There's literally a chapter in her book, I believe, called There's Always Room for Big Dick, because some women go up there <laughs> specifically True. for that dynamic, because it's missing in their in their intimate life. She's actually releasing her second study in her book. It's coming out this October, and it showed that the men were cheating for emotional validation. So it flips the script completely. Men want to be wanted. Women just want to get D. That's good.
2: Yeah. So yesterday we were talking to Nikki, and she was telling us that her experience on the site, she was very sexy. But she was like, (laughs) "I'm, I'm not like a super prize. And I had dudes, like 100 dudes, just lined up, ready to talk to her on the site. So I'm curious how male does it skew and then how do you try to pair people together and do women kind of just have the pick of the litter?
5: Well, I don't know if women have the pick of the litter again because the the memberships are a little bit more honest about what they're looking for. You know, people broadcast very clearly the dynamic or the experience they're looking for. So people match First and foremost on geography. Are you close by? You know, we're not trying to match somebody in New York with somebody in Miami. That doesn't make sense. If you're having an affair, you want it to be close by, relatively speaking.
3: Yeah, especially if people won't date like fifteen miles away from where they live. You think they're gonna fuck that far? Nah. The dick needs to be around the corner. Yeah.
5: So Geo's first and foremost. Uh, but in terms of the balance, you know, that's a question we get a lot because one, people really don't believe that women cheat. And I'm like, who do you think all these guys have been cheating with all these years with? I mean, and honestly, that's just a misogynistic approach because then you're, what you're saying is that women don't want good sex. And that's why people cheat. They're not getting that. So we actually brought in Ernst & Young, the big accounting firm, a couple of years back to go into our whole system and validate what the balance of active female accounts are, to active paid male accounts, because only paid male accounts can talk to women. And it was slightly more women than men. In 2019, it was 1.1 active female accounts for every one active paid male account. So it's a very balanced community.
3: Interesting. We are doing a lot of male-female talk right now, mm-hmm. but like not everyone breaks down on the binary and stuff.
5: Right. What
3: is Ashley Madison doing to include users
5: that are not just... Sis hat When we first opened up, uh, we were probably one of the f- first dating brands that, you know, was a little bit more open to the LGBTQ community. We had male seeking male and female seeking female profiles and we've always had that. So within them that dynamic it allows people to focus more on what they're seeking. On our roadmap, we have to look at, you know, better descriptions in terms of what my profile is because right now you sign up either as male seeking female and that could either be an attached male or a single male and same for females attached female seeking male single female seeking male and then same sex female seeking female male seeking male so we've had those for years and that's a small portion of our site maybe i'd say seven or eight percent but i know because of what we offer primarily discretion we do attract a lot of people from different communities and across the gender spectrum, so whether it's transgendered, whether it's bisexuality, whether it's polyamorous, a lot of those people find it discretionally well for attractive because you might be in an open polyamorous relationship that you and your friends know about. Maybe your parents don't know about it. Maybe your colleagues don't know about it and you don't want them to. And so our site is very open and welcoming to that whole community. And we do have a constituency that, that fits that bill. We don't track it in a way that is obvious. But I've talked to a lot of members over the years, and so I know they do exist. But in terms of the the descriptors, we're probably not where we need to be, but we're working towards getting better enrollment on our, our sign-up page from that perspective.
3: Does it break down to like, what are the metrics on men and women who are looking for attached partners or not attached? Like how many people are like, I need the security of knowing the other person is also married so that it feels like, oh, it's there's not even going to be a chance of it going further because we both have families to risk or whatever. Is that something that is more common or less common? Do people tend to yeah. look for attached or single?
2: I actually signed up when I was single. So it is kind of interesting to think about that not everybody who signs up necessarily is in the the cheating scenario.
5: No, not at all. Because again, it goes back to the idea of discretion, You know, people looking to do certain activities without the bright light of you know, the public domain that Tinder puts you out under. So we don't track that stuff. Because quite frankly, we try to limit how much information we track about our members for a whole host of reasons. But the, the least amount of data possible is what we, we get. So it's more anecdotal, but absolutely. Our whole premise originally was around the idea of mutually assured destruction. The idea that if I'm having an affair, as a married man, I would want to have it with a married woman because she's not going to do anything to cause us to be discovered as am I, because I don't want to be discovered either. So we definitely have most of our married people looking for that type of experience. But there are certainly others who you know aren't as concerned about it. We have a lot of single people who join the site for a variety of reasons, they find it alluring, they find the illicitness of of affair appealing to themselves. And so they'll join and they seek that. And, you know, we have people who are joined as a couple, who are seeking unicorns, we have people who are in an uh, adulterous relationship, who are now seeking a third for their adulterous relationship. So the the variety is endless. Um, And it's really up to the constituency of our membership to disclose who they are, and what they're looking for. But I would say the majority of the married people prefer to have an affair with a married person because it's cleaner in terms of entanglements and the risk is equalized.
3: Yeah. That's what we found when we talked to Nikki yesterday.
5: Mm-hmm. And it also speaks to the idea again, you know, our main competition is not Tinder or eHarmony, maybe Facebook a little. Um, it's actually the workplace. It has been always been the workplace because that's where affairs start. You know, you're working late nights, you got to go on a business trip, you go going to a convention and we're seeing more and more these days that affairs in the workplace, you know, they're not just jeopardizing your marriage, they're jeopardizing your whole career. And companies no longer are just getting rid of the junior person, which often, you know, was a woman who was having an affair with a more senior male. CEOs are getting dumped for affairs that happened years ago. Companies are saying, we're not going to have it anymore. So basically, affairs are not safe for work. Come have them in Ashley Madison.
2: Have you noticed an uptick with people being home for Corona?
5: Absolutely. So we saw about a 5 to 10% dip in the first two weeks. And I think that was a lot of just, holy shit, what just happened? People mm-hmm. were freaked out, and rightfully so. But over the following six to eight weeks leading into mid to late April, we've seen a significant jump. So just prior to the COVID lockdowns, we had about 15,000 people joining today. We're now over 20,000 people joining today. And I think that's a lot of people seeing frustration that has no outlet, you know, living with that same person day in and day out, 24 hours a day, I have no reprieve. And so they find either an outlet to connect with somebody just for conversation and, you know, someone who's in a similar situation. Others are making a very purposeful choice to go out there. They'll go get tested so they can prove to their potential affair partners that I don't have the COVID and off they go and they're still having physical affairs. So it's interesting to see all the different dynamics and how people are handling it. But we are certainly seeing a significant jump in our business activity.
3: Do you personally have any like ethical qualms about the business? Has it influenced your life in any way negatively when people find out what you do? (laughs) Because <laughs> I feel like there's so much stigma, right?
5: Sure, yeah, and you know, I, like I said, I've joined the company twice. So twice I had a conversation with my wife because I'm a married man, I'm a father. First time was probably a little bit more uh, in depth about well, what on God's green earth are you doing and what does this mean? Uh, what are you trying to tell me? But fortunately for me, my wife and I actually met at work. We both worked in communications, and she understands the opportunity from a pure career standpoint. You know what actually presented to me from that standpoint. So we didn't have any of those issues. And it's one of the questions I actually ask all our new or potential employees is, you know, have you thought of, or have you had conversations with your friends, families, and spouse about potentially working with us? And a lot of them are like, oh, I didn't really think about it. And I said, you should, but here's the interesting thing. You actually don't get the blowback you think you're going to get. It's quite the opposite. Every time I go to a party and people find out I'm that guy, people come (laughs) over and like, oh, so can you tell me, is it true? Is it work? And it's amazing because people want to know What's really happening behind the scenes? And, you know, whether it's just pure curiosity or, you know, a potential like, hey, maybe I want to do it. I'm always being asked about it. And so, no, I, I've had no negative blowback. People are just fascinated at what happens at the company and and what I get to do. And it's it's been an amazing ride.
2: So I am curious, though, let's just set your current wife aside. <laughs> would Can you see yourself in a relationship where you would be a client?
5: So... I'll answer that in two ways. First, one of the interesting things working at Ashley Madison is obviously, yes, we're the world's largest married dating website, but in a perverse way, in some people's eyes probably, we're the world's largest marriage counseling service because if you don't want your spouse to end up on Ashley Madison, you're going to listen to me tell you why all our 20,000 people a day are joining and then maybe you'll learn something. So that influences me and helps me become a better husband because I know why all these women are joining so that I don't do the same things their husbands are doing so hopefully i'm a, been a better husband since joining i don't know if my wife would agree with that
3: you son of a bitch <laughs> that is quite the sell i can see why you're good at your job yeah, yeah. i can see why the fortune 500 companies and then ashley wanted you. you you just sold me on it if i'm your wife i'm like yeah that sounds really reasonable <laughs> have fun at work honey yeah. <laughs>
5: <laughs> unfortunately she sees through most of my bullshit so i don't get to skate on anything no you know hypothetically speaking if the point in time came in our relationship where a key aspect was missing more often than not it's in the intimate world and my wife said to me you know, that's it this is off limits for whatever reason but she wasn't planning to leave me and you know divorce wasn't on the table you know i'd have to think long and hard about that um i'd have to think you know what is it I want in this relationship, what is it we want as a relationship, and have a really in-depth conversation. And what's fascinating is a lot of our members do have those conversations. And more often than not, it's the women going to their husbands saying, listen, I need this. And it's very specific. And men, because male toxic masculinity often prevents men from being willing to move beyond what they, you know, seen in traditional porn—that this is how sex is and the only way—and I can't adjoint any other way—and any other way would be, you know, oh God, I'm gay if I if you touch my butt. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so women are forced to make much harder decisions than guys, I think, and I think I would have to look at a variety of options, but I wouldn't look at it as it necessarily as a failure of the marriage or as a incomplete relationship, so long as we're having that conversation, but we're in a different dynamic, because I work there, I know different things. And I've had a lot of different experiences talking with our members. I'm not the average person as it relates to that. But you know, I I understand why and I have a lot of empathy for why most of our members are joining the site.
2: Yeah, people are complicated, relationships are complicated.
5: Yeah. Um, Sex is really complicated.
3: (laughs) Sex is also complicated. This has been awesome. This has been so awesome. informative and great. Thank you so much for your time.
5: I mean, I'm no Nikki, but I appreciate <laughs> you guys taking the time to chat with me. And I, uh, you
3: didn't have your boobs in the yeah, screen literally, the whole time. literally. That was what we were talking to when we were talking to Nikki. It was it was awesome. incredibly erotic.
2: We were like, this seems right. Hey privates, boo boo, privates with penises, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Our sponsor, Fleshlight, can help you reach new heights with your self pleasure. And that is because Fleshlight is the number one selling male sex toy in the world. And they don't just leave you hanging over there. At Fleshlight, you can explore sex toys with expert guides and advice, especially if you're a beginner or you're looking to level up. If you have been listening to this show for a while, you know how I feel about self pleasure, and it is very, very good. And I definitely endorse using sex toys. I have a lot of fun with sex toys myself. So with the Fleshlight Girls series, you can embrace your wildest porn star fantasies with a different porn actress every night. What? With the variety of models, sensations, and intensities, you can live out limitless fantasies. And you can automate your fantasies with a universal launch that fits most Fleshlight products. With its innovative touch control system, just set the controls, sit back, and enjoy. And you have pleasure right in your hands. Your pleasure is in your complete control. And as the ultimate male pleasure device on the market, it's as versatile as you are. Anatomical, stamina building, vibrating, or made for couples, you name it. You define your luxury moment. And I just wanna say, if you have any shame around sex toys, please don't. It is so much better than being weird with girls because you feel kind of desperate or whatever. Fleshlight just allows you to chill out, Wait for the right girl when she comes, and in the meantime, you know you are going to be getting yours and having a good time. So you don't even have to sweat it. And right now, Fleshlight is offering Private Parts Unknown listeners 10% off your order with our code PRIVATE10. So you just go to PPUPOD.com, that's the website, PPUPOD.com. You click Fleshlight and you use the promo code PRIVATE10 to get 10% off your delicious new device. Again, that is ppupod.com and enter code private 10. And it really helps support the show. It helps support yourself and your own sex drive. So go ahead and use the link in the episode description. We can all be horny together. We can keep this podcast going. So get yourself a flashlight and get yourself off. I am so excited to talk to
0: you, Isabella. You are co-author of the Good Wife Study. I guess you can say. Um, you can say that. Yes, I was part of the team that um, that conducted the, the research for the Good Wife Study.
3: The research is so fascinating. Thank you yeah. for coming on the pod.
0: I'm glad you like it. We thought so too.
3: So I
2: think we just really want to dig in, right? I mean, Paul talked a little bit about the differences between why men and women cheat, but we want to really dig into the research and the stats with you and and help us understand from kind of like a science-y
0: perspective. That's a great question. So just as background, I joined the company a little uh, over three years ago. And when I first joined, I didn't know a whole lot about infidelity. I probably knew as much as the average person. I had never really experienced infidelity in my life. So I really went in with the attitude that I'm going to really seek to understand our membership as much as possible. And if I can understand them, then I think I'll have a really good shot at representing their, their perspective and in doing my job a lot better. And so I, you know, from the very beginning of working here, I just started talking to members. I would have phone calls with them. I would ask them what first brought them to our site, where they were at in their life. And a lot of these people I I spoke to were women, of course, that are on the site, Um, men as well. But I I did um, focus sort of a lot of my conversations around female infidelity, because I did think that was really fascinating, only because I feel in a lot of what we learn in mainstream media about cheating is really from the male perspective. So uh, I spoke to women. So when we conducted the research last year, I don't think I was really surprised with the results because it was confirming a lot of what I already knew based on actually speaking to women directly throughout my, my time at the company. So it definitely reinforced a lot of what we at Ashley Madison learn around infidelity and why women women chief. But I think the general public, uh, it did break down some of those misconceptions.
3: Do you want to talk about some of those misconceptions that exist in like popular culture and just like the public consciousness about women and cheating?
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of people, there's the belief that monogamy is somehow easier for women or more appealing to women compared to men. So that was one myth that I think we thought maybe break down a bit. And what this research found is that women do find marriage purposeful, but they actually find the monogamy piece sexually unappealing. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Wednesday Martin, but she wrote a book on this topic as well. And she talks about how um, women actually tend to become bored with monogamy before men do in long-term relationships. And what really happens, I think, in a lot of situations is women might lose interest in sex with their primary partner, uh, their spouse, um, because it's just not fulfilling for them, whether it's because they're not reaching orgasm, or it's just not the type of sex they want, or you know, they get bored. And so the men, I think, assume in a lot of ways that the wife just isn't interested in sex anymore at all. Um, but what's actually happening is when these women step outside their marriage and have a fair sex. They realize, no way. I, I do like sex, and and they sort of um, have this awakening a bit with sort of what sex is like outside the marriage. And so I think just that topic around monogamy being easier for women and harder for men, and that whole line of thinking. I think we really wanted to peel that back a bit. And you know, the study found 64% of women actually feel sexually neglected in their primary relationship. And 47% were um, rarely, if ever, receiving oral sex from their spouse.
3: That's wild.
0: Another 40% not reaching orgasm. So, you know, that sort of contributed to this idea of like the dead bedroom and and sex with marriages. And I think that that, you know, is very, very fascinating. And so for us, again, we just wanted to help better understand and share what's really happening with with women.
2: It looks like according to your research, that the seven-year itch is a real thing that happens? Yeah, I
3: found that graph fascinating.
0: Yeah, that's sort of the point in which we were finding that um, the average woman had her first affair at the seven-year mark. So I think, you know, a couple of things, you know, can factor into that, you know, by that point, probably begin starting a family, having kids, and as everyone knows, kids are the first thing sort of affect that dynamic between the couple. It's not just them anymore. And, you know, their partnership becomes totally different and revolves around that family structure and co-parenting and all those things. So sometimes their sex life takes a backseat.
2: Yeah. There's so many interesting things on here. Soph and I are kind of like ride the same wavelength on this, I think. But what you're saying about the common perception that women don't want sex as much as men or whatever, like the the boredom factor or the needing other attention or whatever totally tracks for me and my personal experience, regardless of how happy I am in
0: the you know relationship. Absolutely. And that's another myth actually that you're sort of touching on is this idea of happiness. People, I think, assume um, that when people cheat, they're looking to leave their marriage or they're in an unhappy marriage. And that, in fact, uh, you know, we found not to be true. Uh, Dr. Alicia Walker is an academic out of the University of Missouri. And her research, she spoke to women on Ashley Madison as well, who really said that their affairs were, were a supplement to their marriage and, and not a, a threat. They were, uh, in fact, straying to stay married.
2: That's exactly what Nikki said yesterday
0: when we talked to her. Exactly. So what women are finding is, they get so much out of their spouse that works for them. You know, their spouse is their best friend. They're a reliable co-parent. You know, they build this life together. Um, They're financial partners. They have a house. They may have a cottage. They have, you know, the same group of friends, you know, so they really like their life. And they find their relationship is actually fulfilling in so many ways. But their intimate life isn't what they need it to be. Um, They're not getting the sex they want. They're not getting the sex frequently enough. There's just, there's a mismatch there. And so the way they see it is it's not worth throwing this all away just because of the sex. And what if I can outsource that physical component that I'm missing in my marriage and get that elsewhere and then return home and return to my partner, my family life is, you know, more patient, more loving, because there's not that gap anymore, that that void. You know, I've come to realize, I think, stems from expecting so much from one person for this really long period of time.
2: But what you're describing is like the classic male perspective on cheating, right?
0: Exactly. And, and I, it's not.
3: And also, I just want to bring it back to the seven year itch. What I thought was really interesting is the So at five years in, people noticed a decline in sexual frequency, six years in a decline in sexual quality, and then seven years in had their first affair. I found that to be really fascinating. Can you talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, so much changes in a marriage. And I think when we take those vows, and I say we as if I'm married, I'm actually not married. <laughs> so, um, you know, everything I know about marriage is just, you know, from what I've learned from other people. But I imagine, you know, you take those vows and you make this promise, you know, this explicit promise, a lot of implicit assumptions about what each person believes monogamy is, what each person expects out of their sex life long term and how things are going to be. There's a lot of assumptions on how that will go and people grow and change. And the person you kind of find yourself married to 10, 15 years in might be very different than the person that you exchanged vows with. And, you know, you really need to be dancing to the same beat. And that presents itself in many different ways. And in this case, I think what we hear from women is that, you know, maybe they're not as attracted to their spouse as they once were. Or maybe, again, sex for their spouse doesn't need to happen as often. Or, you know, the biggest complaint is they're just women aren't having orgasms. And so I think a lot of them are faced with that choice. And, you know, a lot of women will try to go the therapy route or they'll try to introduce different elements to their sex life. But, again, it doesn't surprise me that when you get that seven-year mark, it does get tough to justify staying with the status quo. Because at that point, again, there's a really high likelihood that you have kids and a family life and other responsibilities that have crept in. So it's not really just about the couple anymore, right? And again, I think a lot of times those things, the needs of the couple take a backseat to the wider management of the household. And again, I think women, I don't necessarily think that they're having affairs for the first time or, or, you know, taking matters into their own hands for the first time, but it's the first time they're really hearing about it and they're being sort of more forthcoming about it. There is a stat out there that says women infidelity has increased around 40% since the 90s and male infidelity has remained relatively the same. And again, is that is that, wow. is that because um, women are treating more or is it because women are finally more comfortable um being open about their uh, dissatisfaction with their sex lives or more open with the fact that they're needing these things you know and they're going to get them on their own if they're not getting them at home is, is it that openness and that comfort level with being more honest but um i definitely think that these beliefs that we thought were only true to men are you know really revealing themselves to be you know things that women are feeling as
4: well
3: And I also think the way we've been viewing cheating is like old fashioned in terms of like, oh, the men are doing the cheating. It's like, well, it takes two people to cheat. So unless every affair is between two men, the heterosexual affairs, there's always a man and a woman cheating. Yeah, and
0: also I think dates back to the fact that you know, historically men were the ones leaving the house to go to work and the women stayed home Mm -hmm. and ran the household so now you know, that has all changed. Women are leaving the house as well. Sometimes women are the breadwinners. There's so many, you know, facets to this um, that have, I, I believe, led to the empowerment of women when it comes to their sex lives as well. Um, we don't really have to shy away from that stuff or pretend that, you know, we don't have the same sexual needs as men do. And I think, again, so much of the sexual experience is tied around male pleasure, right? You, It's very obvious. Um, when a man has, you know, has climax during sex, take that even, you know, it's not always so obvious, which is why you have women faking orgasms and thinking that that's sort of the, the thing to do, you know, it's, just, so there's so many things I think that factor in. And I think why research around female sexuality and infidelity is so important now.
2: It's so interesting. This also ties in to our kind of conversation with Nikki yesterday too, but you guys have, do women feel guilty for cheating and some stats on that. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So I think the issue around um, guilt and shame, again, is one that we can talk for, you know, for for days on. I think um, there's so much about sexuality that is still yet to be understood. But what we found in our research specifically was 37% of the females that we went to um, believe in an affair is morally wrong, but they don't feel guilty. So what that tells me is they know, you know, maybe this isn't the quote unquote right thing to do. Um, maybe, you know, maybe they're not being honest with their spouse. And it's, you know, they're doing something that's sort of secret on the side. But I think the reason they don't feel guilt is because in their mind, they're doing the, the best thing to sort of, Keep their their family together. They're doing the best thing to keep their marriage intact long term. And they again, if you um, refer back to what we talked about before with Dr. Alicia Walker's research, you know, women are choosing to outsource their sex, but they're not getting in their marriage. So that's a very pragmatic approach. They're compartmentalizing that piece in a way again that we only think men do. We always say things like men are better at compartmentalizing this stuff. Um, They don't get as emotionally attached after sex, that type of thing. But what's reflected in this research, and again, research from other experts that sort of tell a similar story is that women are making this pragmatic choice and they're vetting affair partners in a very specific and intentional way. They want sex. They want sex that is pleasurable for them and, that will fulfill them in their need in that moment. But they still want to carry on their marriage and home life just the same. So it's very much like almost a form of self-care for them.
2: So are open relationships bad for business? You know, polyamory is on everyone's tongue. It's 2020. Does that Have you done any research or had any conversations that shed light on why someone would have an affair instead of be open with their partner about having additional partners?
0: Yeah, I think it's an excellent question. So we do have open couples that are on our site. And I think uh, the interesting thing with open relationships is, yes, they're very transparent with each other, but they actually still value that discretion. So a lot of the um, open couples I speak to on our site um yes they know but their families might not know and their friends might not know so they actually still want to have that discretion and keep it something just between them we have a lot of couples that have come to our site to meet other partners and uh, i think as things evolve uh i I don't I, i think there's you know going to always be value in some discretion. Um, And I think with open relationships, they're all very different as well. And I think the level in which, you know, open couples choose to manage their open relationship is very unique to each couple. And in a lot of ways, there can still be opportunities between those open relationships for things to kind of like go off sometimes. Like, so what I mean by that is when you're in an open relationship, You have rules, so you have an agreement in place. Maybe it's that, you know, I need to know all about your dates after they happen, or you only can go on three, you know, meetings with someone and not take it any further. Like I'm sure, again, there are rules in place for each couple as they choose, but sometimes they're still in those open relationships, people that choose to do something outside of that, that's maybe secret or maybe just for themselves. It's super fascinating how this is all, evolving. But I definitely think that there is definitely a place for that on our site. And we definitely see a lot of couples who um, come to us and are open about their what they're looking for.
2: Nikki talked about not wanting to have, be in an open relationship, that she there's something about the thrill of it and just that she doesn't want her husband to be doing the same thing. Do you hear a lot of that?
0: I think that's interesting. Yes, I've heard that before. And I think definitely um, there is an element like what you talked about, where the thrill of the secret and the thrill of just having something for yourself that no one else really knows about. When someone is is choosing to pursue an outside relationship, I think the first thing people say is, well, either why don't you just tell your partner that this is what you need and see if they'll give that to you, which is in effect opening a relationship, or why don't you just get a divorce? And I think again, some people just don't want either of those. And what you just mentioned is a great example. Is she's not, you know, she doesn't want to have that open relationship because that is a totally different set of rules and agreements in place. And a lot of women, I think, they feel like not entirely comfortable even suggesting that to their partner. And I think it requires like a, you know a very specific couple to be able to both be on the same page with that. So I think a lot of our members just feel like this route is best for them.
2: So how long have you been with your partner, Isabella? Uh,
0: No, I'm not married. Are you dating? Are you in a long-term relationship? I'm dating. I'm single and dating. So it's definitely interesting when I get to tell people where I work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So can you see yourself being a client at some point? Can you see yourself wanting this type of outlet for yourself?
0: Yeah, I always say, you know, never say never. I'm there. I was an open-minded person to begin with um, before starting at the company. I definitely think this has opened me up way more to what marriage is all about. And, and I've got, I've certainly got to learn from a lot of different people. So I would say I'm a lot more open-minded now for sure. And I think that monogamy is wonderful. My parents have been married for 38 years. Um, I have lots of friends who are married and I think monogamy is a great thing for a lot of couples. I don't think it's for everyone. And I think that the way we are conditioned is that monogamy is sort of the, the thing to do. Um, and I think a lot of people try and I think that they struggle. And I think people that struggle with monogamy are not bad people. I think they are people that struggle with monogamy um, because it's not easy. So for myself, I think when I do, if and when I choose to get married, I think I will do it with eyes open. Um, I love this idea that I've, you know, recently learned from one of our, you know, experts we work with, of the monogamy agreement. So when you get married, you have a monogamy agreement, but it is not something that is necessarily forever. It's, this is the monogamy we are agreeing to today. And let's revisit this in a year or in five years or after we have kids or after the kids have left the house. And I think that's something that you have to, you know, continually um, check in with your partner on because the mon- the monogamy agreement you have year one might not work when your kids are moved out of the house. You might look at each other and go, okay, well, that was fun, but we're not on the same page anymore. Or we might need to change this thing. Or maybe five years in, I want to do more of this. What do you think? I maybe want to have a third partner, in, you know, in the bedroom. What do you think about that? I want to try this thing. You know, we... I think we just I think encouraging that open dialogue rather than thinking that your marriage is never going to change or the people are never going to change in a marriage. Like I think things just really evolve and you need to be someone that understands that it's not a fairy tale. It's not you know easy. It's something that you need to really, I think, um, understand is it's a challenge. And I think both couple, both parts of the couple have to really work on it.
2: So that's a strong maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think, again, like I, but I think to the other end, like if someone were to potentially cheat on me or, you know, step about that our relationship, I think I, I, that wouldn't be necessarily a deal breaker for me, like it might have been before. And I think that, again, it's just there's so many layers to this. It's not um, right and wrong, good and, good and bad necessarily in the way that I might have thought of it before. I think there's just so many layers to it. So I think I've certainly become more understanding and open to um, life's possibilities and sort of managing the complexity of relationships, if that makes sense.
2: Totally. The older I get, the less judgmental. I feel like I become about same everything, but including sexuality.
0: Yeah, we're all human beings just trying to do our best. And it's not always going to be easy. But I think, again, like the, the less judgment and the more seeking to understand I think the better. And I think that's what I've definitely experienced in talking to members and I'm sure you experienced that when you spoke to the member and um, just sort of getting those different perspectives and realizing that monogamy does work for a lot of people. We can't convince people who are satisfied with their monogamy to to cheat. Um, We don't have that power of persuasion. But for people out there that are considering an outside partner looking outside their marriage to fulfill something that's missing I think we certainly help them do so in a discreet way that makes sense to them
2: well thank you this has been amazing thank you so much
0: absolutely thank you both for your time
2: Okay, Sophia. I guess uh, if you need me, I'll be filling out my Ashley Madison profile. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> Courtney, I really applaud you for any time we study a thing, you just join it. You're like OnlyFans, <laughs> done. Ashley Madison, done. I really hope we never study Nexium or like another cult. I know. You I will know. be Gone.
2: <laughs> I know. Seriously, I am a Method podcaster. What can I say?
3: I don't. <laughs> I don't know. What You're to like tell you. Jared Leto on the set of Suicide Squad, <laughs> just like going out of control. That was a fascinating look into cheating.
2: I was not expecting to be this turned on by it, but what can I do? I don't know.
3: Yeah, I know. Same. I was like, this is too arousing, whether it's right or not.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Save that for another episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a totally
3: different app. Yeah.
2: You guys, and we do have some incredible episodes coming your way. I mean, Ashley Madison, after our anti-racism series, I feel like we're already on a roll. But the roll continues with OnlyFans because we are doing a deep ass dive.
3: This is an incredible series. We talk to a ton of comedians from all over the country about... Uh, how they have started OnlyFans as a way to make money because COVID has made it so... Can't really do comedy, can't really do a lot of service jobs, so what the hell are we supposed to do?
2: Hey, Sophia, what's that bomb-ass music?
3: This music is by our awesome friend Amy Roche. Find her music on Spotify. Her name is spelled R-A-A-S-C-H.
2: This episode was mixed by Mike Castaneda from Plastic Audio... We love you, Mike. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Mike, this is the sexiness we think you deserve. No, that's not true. Oh, no. Mike, Mike deserves up. we think a- he deserves
3: more than that. We just are <laughs> incapable of providing it. Sorry. <laughs>
2: he should cheat on us. He, I would definitely condone I support that.
3: support it, Mike. <laughs> just knowing that you're happy with other podcasters, that would make me happy. <laughs>
2: You guys, we want to be happy with you and we want to know how happy you are with us. So we need some rating and reviews, okay? We would love to read uh, some compliments on our podcast, but we are out of them. And so we need you guys to do your job and go to slash private and send us your sweet nothings. Are you going to say anything? <laughs> no, anything, I think yeah. you really covered
3: it. I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm also used Goodbye. to a little more
3: bullying from you for them so i was just (laughs) leaving room i'm like is she gonna bully them like she always does and then you're like no i'm done and i was like i don't know am i supposed to come in and bully them (laughs) 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 all right i'll do with courtney you guys what the fuck we give you the podcast what the fuck is wrong with you you don't want to fucking rate us i'm courtney i'm from minnesota girl bagel
2: (laughs) 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 okay Well, I will leave you guys with that savage roast. And if you won't rate that, I don't know how to help you.
3: (laughs) Bye.
1: It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?